brace yourselves, get ready, buckle up. For the beginning of this podcast will be a little bit more hyper than usual. Welcome to episode 96. Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now your host, Kristen Trumpy. Okay, so hey folks, Lee Waters is back. Um, I've actually tried to set up an interview about strengths-based parenting um, before I believe she was even done writing the book. So um, <laughs> so yeah, I've been pestering her in uh, back in Florida and Disneyland. I'm like, Lee, Lee, when will you come back? And she's like, I'm not done yet. So Lee Waters, welcome back to the Positive Psychology Podcast. It's so lovely to be back and thank you. You're right. You did start to talk to me about this in Orlando, which was, what, two and a half years ago. So thank you for your um, pester power. I'm really delighted to have the opportunity to come back. Yeah. So Lee, just before we start off, I just wanted to um, let you know that I actually really enjoyed the book. It's not just, you know, it's not just like, oh, I have to read this because the science is important. There were a couple of personal things that I will also mention that I that really made me laugh out loud and I, I, I actually <laughs> absolutely enjoyed it. And one weird thing was that I listened to the audio version and I huh. kind of, I, I'm not sure, like I was taking notes and stuff. So it's not like I was just completely like, you know, split attention all the time. But obviously when you have audio, you have that. And then I kind of somehow always missed when he talked about other people's children. And then I'm like, wait a minute, it can't be right that she has 13 children. You know, like, like how can she do all these positive psychology things? Yeah, <laughs> and they'd be like, like double the Brady Bunch. <laughs> and then about, you know, like five hours in, it's like, I have three children. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> so, yeah, I was, mm-hmm. I, I was planning on asking, like, how do you do that? But, but yeah, three is already a lot, <laughs> I feel, for or compared to all that you do. But, yeah, Lee, um, oh, why, I, why don't I, you introduce I'm just yourself? Gonna have- <laughs> I would love to introduce myself, but I'm I'm also just going to introduce myself actually as the mother of two, not three. So wait, did so, I? See? Oh God, All that's right. okay. I mean, like you said, you were listening to, the, and you're right in the sense that um, yeah. I think one of the features of the book, um, and one of the things that was enjoyable for me, of course, in writing the book, was just reaching out to my network, um, some of whom are alumni, masters of applied positive psychology students like yourself, mm. um, and who are. Um, and then just my broader network in positive psychology and just my broader network of friends or professional mums and dads that I've worked with in my consulting kind of role and said, hey, can you tell me your stories about um, how you've seen the strengths in your children and how you have applied and helped your children to build those? And so um, I think that's a really nice part of the book. But I can also get, if you weren't paying attention, that every time you hear this new parenting story, you're like, wow, that's number four child for Okay, so now she's up to nine. <laughs> Does she get any sleep? You know, even with two, I don't get enough sleep, to be honest. But, okay, so we're getting off track. You want me to introduce myself. <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so mother of two, um, that, that's important. It's important um, because really that is my, honestly, they are my greatest achievements. But um, in terms of professional achievements, let's see. Well, I've been a psychologist for over 20 years, a university researcher for over 20 years as well at the University of Melbourne in Australia. And um, I was the founding director of the Centre for Positive Psychology at the University of Melbourne from 2009 to 2016. 
I am currently the Jerry Higgins Chair at the Centre for Positive Psychology at the University of Melbourne. Um, but spreading my wings beyond Australia and beyond Melbourne and have recently stepped into the role of President of the International Positive Psychology Association. So that's delightful for me to, to start to sort of be in service and have impact at more of an international level. And very excitedly uh, have taken on the role of the Congress Chair for the 2019 World Congress of Positive Psychology, which we will be hosting in Melbourne, Australia. I told... I told Lee that this is what I'm, I've already started saving money for this. I'm so excited. Uh, Melbourne 2019. Um, yeah, I was like, yes, well done. I like this. So yeah, looking Thank forward you. to it. Yes. So We can't um, wait. We can't wait to host everyone. Yes. So listeners, really, um, I really want to encourage people, even if you're not um, a researcher, I, I would say it's worth while because you can check out so many things and also you do fun stuff. So last time we were in um when i was there they had a congress in montreal but last time i was there in um orlando uh actually lee lee danced zumba in front of me and i was also dancing and i was like yeah i love it so so yeah that's true i <laughs> forgot <times>. about that <laughs> good time yeah we, we're gonna do a lot of that too in australia you, you, you're gonna absolutely the theme is the theme um for the conference is rigor and relationships so there's going to be a lot of scientific rigor um we're also going to have a lot of practitioners up on the stage talking about what they're doing. And of course, there'll be rigor around that too. But but a sort of social theme is relationships. So there'll be lots of good old Australian hospitality of um, all sorts of weird and wonderful things to boost our energy and uh, give us positive emotions, broaden and build us, all of those things. We're going to use the science of positive psychology to design the conference experience itself. And it's going to be amazing. Yes, I have no <laughs> doubt about that. Cool. So let's yeah. talk about strengths-based parenting. You wrote a book called The Strength Switch. So how did you come up with that name? Oh, that's a really nice question. Um, so The Strength Switch is a tool. It's a mental tool that um, I developed in my practice as a psychologist and that uh, I use in my workshops with parents. Um and basically, it's kind of a, like I said, it's a mental tool. It's a little mental wake-me-up. So, and the idea is that you picture a light switch inside of your head, and I call it the strength switch. And when the switch is turned off, that's when everything is dark. That's when we fall back to our kind of negative negativity bias. It's where we look at our kids' problems, our weak spots, their flaws, their gaps, what's missing in them. Um, but when we flick the strength switch on, that's when we shine the light on our children's strengths, their skills, their positive uh, personality aspects, their character strengths. And um, the tool itself came to me in one of my own parenting moments um, of having my switch turned off, <laughs> so to speak. Um, my son Nicholas is now 14, but this this is a story that's in the book and he, he was eight. We had bought him a new bike. It was a big boy's bike and so we, he was very excited. We placed um, an area for the bike to the side of the house and we explained to Nick, you know, when you finish riding the bike, can you put it around to the side of the house? But he was eight and so what his eight-year-old brain heard us say was, when you finish riding the bike, just dump it at the front door and mum and dad will gladly put it away for you. Um, and I have to say he was <laughs> particularly good at following the instructions that he heard. 
Um, and so the bike had become a bit of an issue. Just, I mean, any parent who's listening to this right now will have their own bike issue. Uh, and it had been going on for a while and I came home one night and I lost it and I was, you know, really um, yelling at Nick and kind of saying, you know, we bought you a big boy's bike it's because you, you know, you're supposed to prove to us that you're responsible and you're not putting it away in the right spot. And it was just one of those yucky parenting moments where, you know, Nick felt bad. I felt bad as a parent. I felt like, oh, goodness, you know, I'm a qualified psychologist. I'm an expert in positive psychology. I'm studying strength-based parenting. But in this heat of the moment, I can't look for the strength in my son um, and that's when the idea for the strength switch came to me I just thought I just need some little quick mental tool little switch that I can flick in my brain that reminds me look first for what's right with my children before I concentrate on what's wrong and because of flicking on that switch what I was able to do the, the next time the bike situation happened was um, instead of sort of scold Nick about needing to be responsible, I was able to see that there were other areas where he was starting to develop a greater sense of organization and responsibility. And so I was able to walk into the house and kind of put the bike to the side and notice that he'd put his lunchbox away up on the sink in the kitchen from his school bag. He'd put his school shoes away. Um, and let me tell you that the school, the shoes were the previous bike issue <laughs> in our house. Um, but because I chose to focus first on what was right with Nick and his good qualities and I was able to see that, look, he is developing these good organisational skills, then I was able to talk about the bike but in a much more constructive way and I was able to point out to him that, you know, you really are developing these good organisational skills. I can see that through the shoes. I can see that through the lunchbox. How about we apply this new strength to getting into the habit of putting your bike away? Um, and so that's how the strength switch came about and... It wasn't the initial title of the book. When um, I first pitched the book to Penguin, the publishing house, I actually called it The Strong Child. Um, and then we, just towards the end, so the whole time I was writing the book, it took me two and a half years to write that book um, because I was writing it as a full-time researcher at a university and a psychologist and, and a mum of two children, not 13 children, but two. <laughs> um, but, you know, being a mum is a full-time job in and of itself so I sort of it took me a while to write the book on top of all of those things but we were when I had finished it it went out they they did some market research on the title and um, the publishers came back and said people don't like the title they're, they're confusing the title with um, strong-willed having a strong-willed child um, or they're confusing it with physical strength so we need to come up with another name um and I wrote straight back and said, you know what, I really like the strength switch. It's a really useful tool for parents. It's a tool that I know has helped a lot of parents. Um, and it's really what I'm encouraging parents to do, just more holistically in the book, not only in those moments of tension, but in the good times, switch your, your attention, switch your focus, shift your focus to your children's strengths before you focus on their weaknesses. And thankfully, the marketing team get, came back and said, thank you for doing our job for us, Lee. <laughs> we really like that term too. And that's how it became the strength switch. Okay, that's good. Now, just to go back to the bike issue real quick, um, mm. there, you know, obviously, as you said, every parent, and I would argue probably every human has these kind of triggers, which really can make mm. us lose things. And um, 
what was interesting to me was when you talked about how that might have also something to do with your own um what's your what what do we call this like tidiness Projection. skill <laughs> uh, tidiness skills so that was one of those moments i was sitting in starbucks starbucks listening to that book and and i nearly like choked because and i was weirdly <laughs> delighted because you can you tell about like the police and your room <laughs> <laughs> it gave me so much happiness. I don't know why. <laughs> well, um, so in the book I talk about, you know, I think that most parents do want to see the good in their children, but we have um, a number of psychological biases that um, make it difficult for us. One of them is our negativity bias, but another bias we have is this psychological bias of projection. Um and projection is a defense mechanism. It's, you know, it's been studied for over 50 years in uh, psychology. And essentially what we know about projection is it's, it's a defense mechanism that allows us to preserve a positive view of ourselves. And the way that it does that is that any, any kind of weakness or negative quality that we have in ourselves, instead of owning it, instead of being okay with it, we project it onto other people. Um, and so in a parent-child relationship, what that means is that we, whenever we see our child displaying a, neg a quality that we think is negative, a quality in us that we think is negative, um, we clamp down on it really, really quickly because it's sort of like our child is showing us a mirror of a version of ourselves that we don't want to know about. Now, um, with the bike issue, what I was seeing with Nick is he's being messy, he's being disorganized, he's just dumping the bike at the front door. And um, I have to confess that I was a very, very messy and disorganized child and teenager. And to be honest, I still am. Um, and I'm, I'm okay with that now. I, I don't have defense mechanisms around it anymore. I'm um, heading towards 50 and I'm okay with the fact that <laughs> this is one of my foibles and I am messy. Um, but in the book, I talk about the story of, yes, look, I was a messy child. And so I was kind of coming down on Nick about his messiness because I didn't want him to have the same weakness or problem as I did but the truth of the matter is the apple doesn't fall far from the tree and when I was first married um, my husband Matt and I you know, moved into a house we made a lovely little home for ourselves and one day we got burgled uh, and we called the police and the police came over and they walked into our bedroom um, <laughs> and the policeman exclaimed oh you've been ransacked um, to which I went bright 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 red like purple <laughs> Um, and my husband just had this kind of like half smile on his face and he just looked at the policeman and he said, oh, no, you know, that's, that's just my wife's normal mess. <laughs> and it was like really embarrassing, but um, it hasn't changed. I mean, you should see my office at work. It's, I, I know where everything is. It's kind of organized chaos. And um, so, yes, that was a little story I shared about why it was that I probably – came down on Nick a little bit too harshly about his bike because he was reflecting back to me a quality in myself that I, I was still a bit embarrassed about and thought was sort of negative. I'm, I'm, I'm actually okay with that now. I'm okay with being messy now. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> all right. Yeah, so... I, think, I think the policeman's exclamation kind of made me realize, all right, <laughs> it's pretty extreme and it's just who I am. <laughs> oh, I, of course, laugh because I can relate so well. So <laughs> <laughs> let's get into the strengths-based um, strengths parenting a little bit more deeply. So um, you mentioned four strategies that you feel are important to to do strengths-based parenting. 
Would you like to talk about those? Mm-hmm. Sure. Should I just talk about what strength-based parenting is before we no, go into Of course. Sorry, sorry. I, yeah. I, I, yeah, go deep into it. You yeah. did talk about it before, but yeah, just go deep into yeah. it. Yeah. Or maybe, I mean, I don't even need to go that deeply, and I, and I probably have already inferred about what it is, but just to kind of you know, new people, new parents who are listening to this, you, it's really just an approach to parenting where you help your children to maximise and make the most of the skills, the talents, the positive qualities they have rather than trying to kind of compensate for what's missing or what's lacking in them. So it's a it's a focus first and foremost on building up strength before we focus on fixing weakness. It's not about ignoring weaknesses or weak spots in your children. It's just focusing first on their strengths because what we're learning in that strength-based approach is that when you as a parent are able to see the strengths of your children more clearly, then often you can find a strength to come back and kind of minimize or counteract or work on a weakness with your children. So it's not about ignoring weaknesses. It's about finding um, a strength that you can use to help that weakness. And yeah, I do talk about um, a number of key strategies for parents that we can use to help build up strengths. Uh, The first one is mindset management. And so this is sort of based on Carol Dweck's work on the idea of a fixed and a growth mindset. Um, The fixed mindset being a belief that there are qualities in us that we're just that we're born with and there's they're fixed there's nothing there's no amount of effort or practice that can change those so carol's original work was um on intelligence and the idea that some some of us believe that intelligence is this kind of fixed entity and you're born with a certain level of intelligence and that's what you've got for the rest of your life other people have a belief that intelligence is something that through practice and effort can grow um, and, that, and so these are people who have a growth mindset. Later on in Professor Dweck's work, she, she extended the notion of fixed and growth mindsets beyond intelligence. And she also said that we can find fixed and growth mindsets for pretty much any quality for our sporting ability, our IT ability, our personality, our relationship skills. And so the same thing applies to strength. There are a lot of people who have a fixed mindset about strengths and believe that, okay, well, um, these are my strengths. This is you know, I'm good at sport, I'm, I'm not creative, I'm um, good at relationship skills, and this is kind of what I've got, and there's nothing more that I can do to change that. So what I talk about with parents is the idea of themselves checking into what they believe about strengths, and, and if, it, if they have a fixed mindset, starting to question that. So what we know about strengths is that they, they're partly innate, we're partly born with them, um, Roughly around 50%, depending on the particular strength, is inherited. But we've got quite a lot of room to play in terms of practice and effort and improving. So managing our mindset about strengths is the first way in which we help our children to build strengths. And that is by cultivating a growth mindset for strengths, both in the parent and in the child themselves. Um, Then, of course, I talk about role modelling and the importance as parents for us to own our own strengths and to model the fact that we're using our strengths, we're playing to our strengths, we're building up our strengths in, um, in our parenting role, um, but also in the other roles that our children see us in. And if we, certainly we should be role modeling our strengths. Maybe we don't have a specific, we, we see a particular strength in our children that we don't have ourselves. Then what I encourage parents to do is to go and find other role models who have that particular strength. And whether they're members of family, um, broader broader friends, people in the community, or even 
people that you don't know, you know, a famous athlete, for example, um, but to be able to start to connect the children, not necessarily personally, but through biographies, through YouTubes, showing a child what that strength looks like when it's in its full height. So that's the, the role modeling piece. Um, and then the third strategy is scaffolding. Uh, and this is the idea of helping your child to sort of incrementally build up their strength, be it a talent or um, a positive personality aspect, an, an aspect of character that we want to build up. So if you picture um, a building being built, and you'll always see as the building is being built that the, the kind of metal scaffolding that goes around the building, so the workmen kind of build the building up from the inside, but what you see on the outside are, is all the metal scaffolding. Uh, and then once the building is sort of complete, the scaffolding gets taken down. And it's the same thing psychologically, is to scaffold your children. So for a while, as the, as the parent, you know, you're the external mentor, you're the one who's providing them with the mindset, providing them with the equipment, providing them with the encouragement, giving them goals that, you know, are stretching them just a little bit, this, this sort of idea of the zone of proximal development, just um, helping them kind of stretch themselves beyond their comfort zone, just a smidge, not too much. And then once you've done that, once they've developed that skill, then you don't need to do the scaffolding anymore because it's internalized in a child and they can start to use it themselves. That was a very long answer. I'm sorry about that. But they are kind of um, four important ways of helping your children to build up their strengths. My listeners have an attention span that's larger than a goldfish, unlike apparently <laughs> the average population, which is that. Okay. Uh, so you're good. Good, good to hear. Good to hear. <laughs> um, I, I just want to mention that for people who maybe don't have children, I've always felt also when I was studying undergrad psych that a lot of concepts from developmental psychology, I always found it very bizarre that people kind of think they always only talk about children and then somehow magically the validity of all these all these concepts disappears once we hit 21. And I found that like even grown-ups, you know, can can benefit a lot from these things and even from each other. Now, obviously, you might not use the same language than you do with an eight-year-old, but I do find that as someone who doesn't have children, I found I found your book really helpful to kind of bring, you know, um, kind of zone in on what and go deep in what strengths development is. And I find, for example, that it's hugely applicable to management as well, although obviously you did yeah. not probably intended for that it's intended for parents but I feel it's really useful for other people as well I, I think that's such a nice insight and um and I am getting that feedback a lot about the book that and and here's an interesting thing again sort of going back to um giving you a bit of a view of the inside of publishing the book when I first put the idea forward to Penguin um and the editor that I worked with um Caroline Sutton she's just an amazing editor based in New York City. And she was also the editor for Carol Dweck's book on mindset. Um, so when I put when I pitched the idea to her, she, she actually came back and said, why are you making this a parenting book? Because the ideas underneath it, these are all really big ideas that translate just to anyone wanting to be their best, anyone wanting to learn more about how to identify and build their strengths. And so as you said, um, it's relevant in a corporate setting. It's relevant in just your own personal development. It's it's relevant in adult relationships. Um, for me personally, my my passion, my drive, I think, kind of my purpose, why I'm here, is to 
work is to bring these ideas to people when they're young so that um, we're sort of helping them on their journey from a young age. But you're absolutely right in that all of the concepts in the book, even the concepts I just mentioned around mindset, around scaffolding, around role modelling, are relevant to anyone at any age. Certainly the concepts of turning on your strength switch and helping yourself to see your own strengths and build your own strengths more intentionally, more successfully, but also helping um, the people around you to do that as well. And, and you might remember that um, in the book, I talk about the idea of strength helpers. So this is, this is these are the people in your life who hold up that positive mirror to you, who help you to see qualities in yourself that you haven't seen yet. Uh, because the research has identified this phenomenon called strength blindness. And many of us are blind to um, our strengths. And that's a little bit to do with what I was talking about before, the idea that a strengths are partly inborn. And so we, we sort of grow up with them. We're so used to having these, these particular strengths that we don't see them as strengths. We don't see them as sort of special features because they're, for us it's just a standard feature. When someone else looks at us, they're like, wow, you know, you, you're really articulate or you, you've got really strong uh, emotional intelligence. We don't know that it's a strength of ours because we just be, we, we become blind to it because we're so used to it. So in the book, I do talk about the idea of how do we become strength helpers? And, and of course, that's not in the parenting context. That's, that's in, in my role, for example, um, as a you know, professor and senior scholar at the university and, and certainly as the director, was being a strength helper to my staff being a strength helper, particularly to the junior career researchers, helping them to connect up with their strengths. And obviously I wasn't their parent, <laughs> but I was still able to sort of apply those concepts to, to helping them. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I've, I've talked about strengths quite a bit on this podcast and I think kind of the straightforward, oh, you're good at creativity, let's encourage that. I think that may, you know, that's more self-evident than how, what do you do when, when we ask, for example, kids to do things that are maybe harder for them and, and um, learned behaviors or weaknesses? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. And um, that's, a, that's a model that was developed by Professor Alex Linley in the UK. I really like his model on strengths because what he has identified is that for something to be classified as a strength, it needs three elements. And those three elements are high performance, high energy, and um, high levels of self-motivation. So first and foremost, I like his model because he takes us sort of beyond the idea that strengths are things we're good at. Um, and that's, for most of us, that's our opinion. That's our, that's our idea of what a strength is. A strength is something that we are good at. And that is certainly part of the truth, but it's not the full truth because what um, his research shows is that strengths are something that we are good at. We have high performance in, but we also are energized when we engage in that strength and we're self-motivated to do it. No one needs to sort of tell us that now's the time to apply this strength. We, we sort of yearn to use it. And by the way, that's similar ideas coming out from the VIA Institute as well on character strengths and and the, the beautiful big book that was written by Martin Seligman and Chris Peterson, who also talked about that it's not just something that you're good at. It's also something that you yearn to do, that you feel authentic when you're doing it. Um, and in their definition, something a, a strength is something that also brings about social good to others. So getting back to those three elements, 
um, what Alex Lindley did was had a look at, okay, so how do those three elements play out in terms of strengths and weaknesses? And then this third category that he called learned behaviors. So a strength is something that has all three elements. We're good at it, we get energy from it, and we're self-motivated to do it, or um, Alex Lindley says high use. So high performance, high energy, high use. In contrast, a weakness um, is something that we, we don't have those elements in. We don't have high performance. We're not energized when we do it. In fact, we're quite de-energized when we have to use a weakness. And obviously, we, don't, we choose not to use it. We're not self-motivated because it's something we don't perform well and we don't get energy from. But then we have this really interesting third category called a learned behavior. And so Alex Lindley says that a learned behavior has the performance element. So it, it is something that you perform well but it's not something that you get energy from and it's not something that you're necessarily self-motivated to do. You may be motivated to do it for extrinsic reasons. Um, in the book, I talk about the example of one of my grad students who is really, really good at editing. She just has that absolutely keen eye. She can go through and edit grammar and find all the mistakes. And so it's you might look at that and say that's a strength of hers because she's so good at it. The truth of the matter is when I've um, kind of quizzed her about it in a little bit more detail it's something that she has high performance in but it's not a true strength because she doesn't get energy she's not energized at the end of doing the editing she does it as a to get a little bit of money on the side while she's doing her PhD and she's certainly motivated to do it but she's motivated because it earns her money she's not self-motivated she you know she's not yearning to edit other people's work <laughs> so um, I think that that's a really useful model which is why I used it in the book to identify that there are things that you can be good at, but they're not necessarily a strength. They could be a learned behavior. And again, what the research shows us is that if we over-rely on learned behaviors, that it's, um, it's de-energizing for us. Even though we're good at it, even though we might get a pat on the back in some form of external motivation or external praise, it's, we need to be mindful of not overusing our learned behaviors because it ends, we don't feel authentic and it ends up kind of draining us. We need to pay more attention to the true strength, which is something that, yes, has the performance element, but also has energy and self-motivation. And so in the book with parents, I talk about, you know, don't make the mistake of thinking that just because your child shows talent in something, that that's therefore a strength and you should sort of push them that way. You need to look a little bit deeper and look at a pattern over time and see if you can see energy and self-motivation. And then, you know, taking that beyond parenting, um, we, you know, and I love it that you raised that point uh, before taking this beyond parenting. If you're looking to be a strength helper as a boss, as a friend, as a partner, then again, you're not just looking for the high performance element. You're also looking to see signs of energy and self-motivation. Oh, one thing that I found um, interesting, like an emotional or psychological bank account. And I found that interesting because I came across that concept actually at first not in psychology, but in a book called The Five Love Languages, um, mm -hmm. which I think is hugely helpful. But it's not, as far as I can tell, there's no, you know, like research in that sense behind it. So I find it interesting that you talked about the bank account. And I was just curious from a, like a nerdy point of view before we go on, um, do you have research on like the existence of like a psychological bank or something like that? Or did you just mainly use it so that people can, can envision what you're talking about? I, that is, that is probably I've used that more as a metaphor okay. than actual research. But I would point 
the listeners towards Barbara Fredrickson's work, you know, mm-hmm. because okay. certainly with her broaden and build theory, she does talk about how positive emotions help us to build up and accrue resources. And so, you know, if you if you look at it from that perspective, it's like you're depositing um, positive emotions, which then build up your social resources, build up your cognitive resources. So you're kind of building up your bank account um, so that in t- times of stress and challenge, you're, you've got something to draw on. You've got these, these um, cognitive and social resources to kind of draw from in order to help you cope more effectively. So there is certainly research behind that. Um, but the idea of the bank account, that's probably more just a sort of helpful metaphor of, you know, deposit these good things, deposit positive emotions, deposit cognitive resources, deposit good um, social networks into this bank account so that you can withdraw when you need to. <laughs> Sounds super obvious now that you point that connection out. But yeah, okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah. And I think in the book that is actually when I'm brought, I am drawing on Barbara Fredrickson research in that, that particular chapter because I'm talking about um, the role of positive emotions in a family. And I'm also talking about I'm drawing on Robert Emmons' research on gratitude and Fred Bryant's research on savoring mm-hmm. and you know just this lovely really simple practice that we can do on a daily basis where we orient our attention towards the positive um, and so maybe that's the sunshine on our back or the smell of coffee or the sound of laughter uh, and that the, the more we do that the more we're building up uh, our positive resources um, but I also talked about that in terms of it's good attentional training because it's the same underlying process for us to be strength helpers or strength parents is we have to retrain our brain to to place our attention first on what's working before we focus on what's wrong and so these gratitude and savoring practices are just really enjoyable practices that a build up our positive bank account and b help us to get better at focusing our attention on the positive which then helps us to get better at focusing our attention on the strengths of ourselves and others right so just to circle back to something that's I think I feel particularly relevant to parents was this idea about nutritious praise. Can you expand on that a little bit? Uh, yeah, I do. I thank you for mentioning that. I, um, it's funny when you write a book. Well, <laughs> I, can, I can generalize from a sample of one because I've only written one book. I, I definitely have a few more books in me that I'd like to write in the next few years. But um, this probably says something more about me maybe than other people. But I, you know, in writing that book, I had I would have moments of, I'd have peaks and valleys, you know, I'd have moments where I'd be thinking, oh, I'm not sure if this is relevant. I don't know if I should put this in. Of course, I had an amazing editor who helped me with those decisions. But I had other little moments where I was like, wow, that's a really good phrase. This is, you know, I'm really happy with the way I've written that. And nutritious praise, that was one of them. That was one that kind of like, I don't know, channeled out of me. And I went, oh, that's a really nice phrase. I like that phrase. Like the strength switch. You know, when I came up with the idea for the strength switch, I was like, wow, that's a catchy phrase. Um, so the idea behind nutritious praise is really helping to move us past the temptation of doing empty praise, just the kind of like, good job, you're the best, good for you um, type of praise. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that praise. That, that, that praise is important because it signals to whoever you're giving it to, if you're a parent, it signals to your child, you know, I love you, um, I, see, I see the good in you. But it's not particularly helpful for the child in terms of, okay, so how do I keep doing more of this? You need to be providing more specific praise to your children about what it was about 
the job that was good. That way they, they know that they can continue to build on that. So that was sort of the idea behind giving, you know, it's like junk food versus a sort of nutritious, healthy meal is to give more specific praise to your children. Um, and in my book, I talk about strength-based praise too. So it's a combination of Carol Dweck's earlier work on process praise. So, you know, you, you did, uh, this is what you did well. Um, and this is the strength that I see that you were able to use in order to do well. So it just really kind of um, gives the parent just that additional sentence in the way they're praising their children and just to sort of move beyond the kind of sloganistic praise and to think about, well, what am I doing that's helping my child to build up those micro ingredients for success, in, in, you know, the equivalent of the sort of the micronutrients of a good meal. Right. So I would just like to add a little bit, which was not in the book, but I feel is relevant mm -hmm. when we're talking about praise. And, and that's something that um, in creative writing, I've been engaging on and off with it for quite a while. And one of the first things you, you kind of study is this idea that you can have, you have to focus on detail. So you don't just say, oh, it's a tree. Um, it's an oak, so that people can really get a specific image of it. And I've, when I kind of learned about that, I I intuitively applied it to psychology as well, and just mm. kind of went and 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 wouldn't be like oh nice dress nice hair or something like that, but just going really specific, really zoning in on what I like about the dress. You know, like oh wow, I like how how it's you know I love the color turquoise or whatever it is um, yeah. because it matches. You know, oh god, I can only think your eyes, and that's like a horrible pickup line. Um, <laughs> 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 I don't know. I was. I think I was thinking about a friend of mine who walks around in turquoise, like 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 a turquoise explosion. So I think, that, and it matches her eyes. So yeah, but yeah, but but I, Kristen, I really agree with what you're saying, and and it's it's lovely. It, this is a great, you know, probably this is one of your strengths is sort of being able to take a concept from somewhere else, creative writing, and see how that's relevant to relationship building and praise and and psychology. Um, and yeah, so it's, it, it's, it is about being more specific. So rather than saying great dress, saying, wow, you know, turquoise is amazing. Like it, you know, it really, it lights up the room. It's, it reminds me of like great art or whatever it happens to be that you sort of add to it, but you're saying something that's more specific. It's interesting that that's what they also say in creative writing that and as soon as you use that example of the tree versus the oak, um, my mind immediately had a much more concrete picture when you said an oak tree. It's a huge difference, right? I mean, if we stay with trees, um, but obviously thinking that it can be applied to children and whoever, like, it's a huge difference if it's an oak or if it's a birch. Yes, and, absolutely. Uh, it, you get a very different picture in your mind. Yeah. And also very different qualities. I mean, we don't know about the strengths of trees, but I would associate, you know, strength and uh, dependability. And with a birch, it's kind of more, you know, more maybe more like something that's a little bit almost jittery tree maybe because it's so thin yeah. and so so yeah these things are important yes absolutely so on the flip side of it um you talked about wounding words yeah oh. um I, look i just i've got a whole chapter on communication in the book and communication is so important as part of being a strength-based parent and so you know part of that is the praise um process just being so mindful of parents of the words that we use and one of the things that I do in my parenting workshops is I ask parents to think about you know how did your parents communicate with you 
Um, and often people will talk about what they remember the most is the sort of the wounding words, you know, those the kind of common themes that were critical, that were negative, um, or the one-off arguments where something, you know, horrible or harsh was said to this child. And, of course, now these child are they're grown-ups. We're talking sort of 30 years on and um, people still being wounded by the, 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 the negative words of their parents, the unloving words, the harsh words, the cold words, the sort of continuous criticism and just how mindful we need to be that words can really hurt um, but words can also really, really heal and enable and, and bring your kids forward and this is where communication is so important in that strength-based approach of just spotting a strength acknowledging it, calling it, calling it in your child when you see it um, and letting them know that what you see in them is this sort of positive uh, mirror that you, you're looking at, you're looking for the good in them first and foremost. Okay, so you just mentioned that you also do workshops for parents. Have you, what kind of results have you seen so far? What, what, what has come up? Anything that surprised you maybe? I, yeah, look, um, I love doing the workshops with parents. I've done a, a couple of studies on them too, so as intervention studies to be able to show sci- more scientifically that parents who go through these workshops at the end of the workshops uh, report. So these were parents who went through um, a sort of four-week program with me and at the end of that compared to parents who didn't go through the workshop yet, they were on a um, wait list parents who went through the workshop who learned about strengths learned about those three elements of strengths learn about how to spot strengths identify strengths build strengths learning about kind of scaffolding role modeling mindsets those the things that we've talked about were came out to be at the end of that program um, much higher in terms of their sense of self-confidence as a parent statistically higher than the control group and also this was lovely much higher levels of positive emotions when it came to thinking about their kids. So before they went through the program, I asked them to complete a well-known survey. In fact, it's Barbara Fredrickson's survey on positive emotions. Um, and the, the survey asked them, when you think about your child, to what degree do you experience? And then, then there's a whole list of positive emotions, you know, joy, love, awe, wonder, serenity, pride, etc. cetera. Uh, and at the end of going through that four-week training the strength-based parenting program parents were statistically higher on that they were saying you know when I see my children I see more pride I see I feel more awe I feel more wonder I feel more curiosity um, about my children what was interesting and I think was also really lovely is that love didn't change so it was already very high in these parents and so parents didn't come out of that program loving their children anymore because they loved them so much already, but they came out because they were seeing this whole new side of their children. They came out saying, I feel more awe, I feel more wonder, I feel more curiosity, I feel more pride in my children. So that's sort of the scientific findings we found. Anecdotally, what uh, what I'm hearing from the parents, again, matches that a lot more confidence, uh, just feeling a lot more positive about the role. One of the things that we do in the program and by the way, we've now actually turned that to into an online program so that anyone across the world can do it because I was getting so much demand to run that program. And of course, I'm based in Australia and I can't sort of get across the world to run it. Um, the feedback that we were getting from the parents is that they were also learning 
to use their own strengths more. So it wasn't just about identifying and building the strengths in their children, but as a result of the program, they, we, we very specifically in that program get parents to think about their own strengths and how to bring those into the role. Now, if we go back to the idea that strengths are the things that you perform well, get energy from and are self-motivated to do, it makes absolute sense that as a parent, when you start to think, well, what are my unique strengths and how can I bring these more intentionally into my role as a parent, it makes the parenting role a lot more energizing, a lot more enjoyable to do. Um, and then I just one more really lovely thing that I've seen and had feedback from uh, with the parents who go through this program is the bond that it's creating between the parent and the child. And um, what happens is the more that the child starts to internalize that they have strengths themselves and that they can build these strengths and that everyone has strengths, they start to they start to see strengths in other people. So they start to understand that they have strengths themselves, their friends have strengths, but beautifully what they start to understand is that their parents have strengths. And this really changes the dynamic because you you have your children starting to look at you and start to appreciate and admire your strengths. And so it creates this kind of beautiful feedback loop where you're seeing the strengths in your children, but they're seeing the strengths in you. And so it's just really beautiful. I, I just feel like it's this like lovely kind of glue that sticks a parent and a child together because it's this common core, this common bonding that we both have strengths. And when we use our strengths effectively, you know, that's when we're at our best. That's when we perform well, we've got energy, we're self-motivated. Right, so um, they can find this on the website. Is it the Strength Switch or Strength Switch? I've been on it, but I haven't memorized it. Good question. It's Strength Switch, so www.strengthswitch.com. Um, we've also got, I've just pro provided a whole lot of free resources on that website too. So, you know, obviously if parents want to um, dive a little bit deeper, then great, please come along and do the online program. We're getting amazing feedback about that program. But if you're not ready to commit to that yet, then make use of all the free resources. I've put on a whole lot of um, surveys, games, activities, um, conversations to have with your children that can kind of uh, dip your toe in the water and start to get a sense of how it is that you can pretty easily and fairly organically start to infuse strengths into everyday life of your family. Oh, yeah, and there's a quiz. Oh, that's what I forgot to do. I'm so sad. I'm, I'm not a parent, but I train young, you know, like 15-year-olds in banking. So, oh, yeah, so, right. Yeah, so I do feel that, that like, you know, of course not the same, but but it's hugely relevant right. to me. So, ah, I should have done that. Yeah. sad. You can, but... go, well, <laughs> you can do it after the interview. And, Absolutely. you know, you're a, strength, you're a strength helper. So, obviously, you just – where the item says, you know, I – see when my child is energized you can just apply that to i see when these young people i'm working with exactly. are energized exactly yeah no yeah great so anything else you'd like to mention lee before you take off i know i don't have anything else to mention but um Kristen, just to say it's a joy to speak to you again and thank you so much for the opportunity to to come on and talk about something that i feel very strongly about and very passionately about and that is how do we how do we start to change society more broadly? And I, for me, I think that's by working with young people and starting to equip them with this positive psychology toolkit, helping them to build resilience and optimism, helping them to know their strengths because you know these are the people who are going to grow up and, and lead and change our society. And so um, I always love to have the opportunity to talk about this stuff and I'm really, really grateful that you've invited me back.
Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun as well. So thanks for coming, Lee. And My pleasure. <laughs> and you too. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with Happy Yogurt. <laughs>